You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 4, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. This podcast is powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, a senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas, an exciting topic and guest on our show today. We want to welcome a, welcome a good friend of ours, Tori Rizzo. He's the managing director and the leader of the healthcare, real estate, seniors, housing, and long-term care at Huron Consulting. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Lucas, Josh, good to meet up again. Absolutely. We really have enjoyed conversations with you, you know, as we haven't been able to attend conferences and share a cocktail and a, uh, just a discussion. Um, you know, we have had the opportunity to get on a couple of zoom calls and just talk about what's going on. And it's always fun to get updates from you because you're constantly innovating and you've had some recent changes. Um, you've had some big CEO roles that people in our industry know you very well from, and now you're on this new venture with this consulting platform. Today, we're going to be centering in around the topic of the opportunity to evolve to better. And we're going to run through a couple of things where there's going to be some key takeaways in this and some strategies around innovation, efficiency, effectiveness, collaboration, health systems that our listeners are going to want to probably re-listen to this episode multiple times. Tori, before we jump into those bullet points, help us with the framework here. What do you mean by the opportunity to evolve to better? Yeah, you know, uh, Lucas, thank you. And I, um, I've i been involved in the industry now since 2006. My, my first uh, NIC event was in 2006 when I was at the CIT group platform as a, a lawyer. In, in We were making loans to people in seniors housing and skilled nursing. And um, I've seen the, the industry evolve and it became... Uh, for, for the better. And frankly, I, I recognized early, early on that the folks that um, we were lending to, some of the folks really, they were focused on um, just bottom line. They didn't care if it was seniors or bubble gum or widgets. They were just out to make money. And there were other people, their heart was in this business and they served residents and they served staff. And guess what? They were the people that we wanted to lend money to. And I wanted to ultimately make my partners in this space. They had a heart for this business. And when you do that, guess what? Investors are satisfied and, and, and money is made and opportunities are given. So those are the folks that we wanted to um, to, to focus on. Over time, um, we've all been kind of, as, during that 15-year tenure, I've seen that um, as uh, we've seen, you know, recessions come and go and, and that kind of good stuff. Uh, and everyone's kind of, you, you're kind of heading down as if it were a highway. Everyone's going really fast down the highway and you're just focused on staying in your lane and not crashing and not having anything happen. Uh, the pandemic for me kind of, um, it was it was like an ice storm. You don't really see that it's going to be really slick out there. And all of a sudden you're in a tailspin and you're hoping not to crash into the car in front of you. Actually, in this case, um, I think there were a lot of crashes and there were occupancy challenges with people, unfortunately, that um, that were that were that died uh, in the pandemic. Right. And in, in the early stage of the pandemic, we didn't even know what was going on. And so people all of a sudden were trying to keep their residents and their staff alive and not really knowing how bad that was going to get. We're now as we start to see light at the end of that tunnel. I think that we have the opportunity to say, okay, we were traveling really fast on this highway and not aware of the slick conditions up ahead. And we've kind of made it. Maybe we got our car dinged up a little bit, but it can still drive. But we have the opportunity right now to go in and reevaluate where we were going, how we were going, where we were going. And I think that's the real opportunity to evolve to better right now. And I think that's those are some of the topics that we should talk about is 
um, is what do we focus on and what let's use this opportunity. Um, um, see, people say, you know, this is no, let's not let a good crisis go to waste. Um, and that's really what we see here is that this is a, this is a unique opportunity that we were given to rethink and to, uh, and to, to set ourselves on a course for better as we go forward. You know, Josh, there is a huge topic uh, and discussion around occupancy. And Tori, this is, seems to be one of the focus areas that you and your teams are looking at. You know, occupancy is, is a major challenge right now. It affects the economics and it has a big cause and effect. Um, in your outline for discussion today, you're talking about renewed focus on some old themes you want to talk to us about that and specifically maybe start around the strategy component? For sure. Yeah. You know, um, we, as, as we've thought about it uh, in this new platform, so as, as, as Lucas, as you said, I, I was a lawyer in a lending platform. I then was CEO of a, of a small uh, real estate investment trust. And we partnered with um, kind of the developing operators, helping them go from smaller to larger. Uh, and then I worked with Blueprint uh, Healthcare Real Estate Advisors as, as their CEO uh, during uh, 2018, 2019, uh, in the beginning part of 2020. And um, so, you know, we, I, I, I've, in this new platform where I am today, it's kind of using all of those different experiences. And one of those is when we were equity, when we were debt, when we were trying to be a service provider on, on the, the asset sales side, you, you, we saw clients that you needed to know where you're headed, right? So I call it kind of a North Star. And you need to have, you need to ask yourself, where are we headed geographically? And what, you know, who do we want to serve and how do we want to serve them? That's your resident pool and population. And then your staff, right? How are you going? What's your outlook toward your staff? Right now, we all know that that labor is a challenge to find it and the cost of it is going up. And that's now going to skew all of our economics. And as a result, we really do need to have a strategy, right? About what are we, you know, again, geography, product type. And what's our, 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 our outlook and how do we want to engage with our pool of, of staff? So we have to, that's one of the things that we think is important is not just going and doing the day-to-day and being caught up in our activities. It's kind of like we have ADLs, activities of daily living. Let's not get caught up in the ADLs of our business. Let's really figure out what do we want to accomplish, set our goals, and then start to chip away at those. And even though it's going to take time to do that. Tori, I am tracking right with you, and I love the way that you phrased this opportunity to evolve to better. Um, you know, your first point, the the topic of strategy, the first thing I'm thinking of, I'd like to know kind of your gut instinct, kind of the pulse. You get to talk to a ton of different decision makers and leaders in the, in the industry across the country, probably even beyond, uh, you know, our, our boundaries as a country. Do you think that people... Uh, as a whole, like the operators, the developers, owners are at a point coming out of COVID to where they're actually thinking strategically the dust is settling enough or are we still kind of hitting the face and still trying to just get our bearings and, and our heads are ducked? What, what's your pulse on where we are as an industry thinking strategically? That's uh, a great question, um, uh, Josh. And I so here's how I think about it. Again, as you guys know uh, personally in our phone calls in the past, and uh, as people that have run across me more than once know that I like to use images about uh, to, to illustrate what I'm talking about. And I, I think this is like the person that has a really bad back, either a disc problem or something, and they they used to play tennis and go for walks and hiking and all that, and um, their back hurts and they can't do it. Right. So the pandemic effectively is like that underlying condition, or or that, that you know we the government money that's been sloshing around out there has been a it's like a steroid 
steroid to the underlying condition. It makes us feel better. We can still go play golf. We can still run these businesses as we were kind of doing it before. We've, we've had some assistance. Now, as that steroid starts to wear off, we're going to have to deal with the bad back. We're going to have to go in for surgery. So I think, Josh, to answer your question, that we're still in that transition from weaning off of the steroid to really facing what is coming, which is we do have labor shortages. We do have labor costs going up. We have now um, supply costs. We have different things we're going to have to deal with. I think that different people are in different stages of that realization of where we are, but that we are headed. You know, people say, oh, yeah, you know, there's going to be distress and, the, you know, lenders are going to be, um, well, yeah, it's all going to start to happen. So back to my my pileup, this is the, the cars have piled up and the 18 wheelers that were behind the cars are still coming. And I, whether those 18 wheelers can avoid the cars and we we, we, we avoid some of the the ugliness, I think that's where we have the opportunity is to get those cars off the road by rethinking what we're doing. So I think people are in different, to answer your question more directly, I think people are in different stages of that process of realizing that what was, we may get close to something like that, but it's still going to be um, a bit choppy as we as we head through it and get to that final resolution point. We're not there yet. So that's a really good analogy. And thank you for using that. That's I, I talk and, and understand in story form. So that helps me a lot. And I'm sure it helps our listeners. I don't want to spend too much time because there's so much good stuff here to talk about. I don't want to run out of time. But thinking strategically, um, I would say that's one of your um, strengths. You've gone in and helped retool and, and strategically position a lot of different companies through the years. And it's been fun to watch from from kind of the outside looking in. I have found when I have, have dabbled in that arena of going into whether it's at the community level or really any team and trying to get people to think strategically sometimes is a bit of a challenge, especially when people are still kind of licking their wounds a little bit. Can you give some practical takeaways or maybe a one one starting point for that leader that's listening that's trying to get their team uh, on the on the bandwagon of thinking um, kind of holistically, strategically, what, what would be some advice to them? For sure. So I, I've always, like, like I said a moment ago, I said I, I recognized the people and wanted to work with as partners and, and, and serve them, the people that had a heart for this business, right? And so they should be asking themselves what, you know, being innovative about what has to change, what, where is this going, whether they like it or not. Um, and that is, I think that, you know, we've all known for the long time that technology is a place where we have to head, right? So I was talking with uh, with a with an equity provider, private equity a group, a head of, of a private equity group not long ago, and they were talking about technology and, and harnessing data and analytics, right? And so he said, yeah, I was talking to one of my operators not long ago, and the person said, I get it, I get it, but just tell me what you want to know from the data, and I'll go talk to my data person, and they'll just, you know, print it out and send you a file. That's not, and the person said, they missed the whole point, right? The point was you can't go backward looking only. You have to use what your historical, financial, clinical, uh, physical plant um, information. And if you don't have that infrastructure in place today, it's not something that you could probably afford all at once to change everything tomorrow, but you need to have a plan about how do we make these platforms run more efficiently and effectively using the historical, financial, clinical, and physical plant data to drive our decision-making into the future, right? It's not just a looking back, but it's, it should be utilizing that stuff today to be able to guide business decisions today, right? Have you found in looking at organizational landscapes and organizational charts that under kind of the stereotypical 
fabric of, of most of our operating organizations that they have leadership in place with the skill set to to examine and be in a position where they have someone on the team that has the skill set of of looking at something like technology and be forward looking on that or are we even a little bit behind the times uh, as far as our organizational charts you know it's a, it's a, again a great question and a great lead into what the way that i view it and it almost looks like we prepared this even though we didn't this <laughs> <laughs> uh, really is an organic conversation that's happening but i i agree josh that um that the people that I've worked with in the space and what I call the developing operator, right? Whether it's going from zero to five to 15 to 25 to 50 communities, um, there's an evolution and an arc there, right? And so where sometimes in the early part of that arc and evolution, you don't have the people. It's not that you don't want the people and it's not that you don't have people maybe that are there, but people are stretched thin. Can you access the, the infrastructure experts' expertise that you need to ask those questions and get them answered? And I think sometimes the answer is when you get to scale, whatever that is, whether that's 15 communities, 20 communities, you get to scale and you say, yeah, I now have sufficient cash flow from operations to afford the people that I need to look at this and that and the other thing, right? Until you get there, this is, again, my other analogy is like, trying to, you know, everyone in a neighborhood trying to build a state-of-the-art gym in their basement, right? We should probably be thinking about joining Equinox that can we all can use the state-of-the-art equipment. We can all then, as an extra, hire a personal trainer, a nutritionist, a spa person. We can do that as an extra, but having access to the necessary tools, if we say we want to get into shape, if we want to run our communities as a state-of-the-art proposition, we should probably join up with, and that's one of the things that I see as, as efficiency and effectiveness is how do we take the pieces that are more fungible and the cost can be spread across a number of platforms, right? As opposed to everyone doing it and addressing it in their own way. So I think to your point, Josh, um, there are, if we can utilize one person to think through this for the type of client, the type of developing operator, we might not to each of us have to have to go out and incur the cost of that specific person. So if we have somebody that's expert in technology and says, this is how we utilize data and analytics to then run the platform. And then guess what? That's going to make that operating group much more attractive to equity and to debt because um, they're able to, to harvest their information. It's reliable and it's timely, right? So having somebody think about how do you do that? It might not be somebody on your staff today, but should you be thinking, where can I find that person to help me with, they've already thought through it and spent a lot of time doing it. The answer to that is yes, absolutely. So whether it's on the team or it's something the team can access in a way that's economical, that's exactly what I'm trying to build right now is how do you access those people in an economic way that doesn't, it doesn't put a, it doesn't give you a competitive disadvantage. Okay. It's um, basically, so another analogy here is like, let's just say that there was a word processing program out in the market, a spreadsheet on the market and a, a graphics um, a program on the market. Right. But they were never really pulled together. You know, it's like basically you're trying to say, how do they talk together? How does it work? I need to do a spreadsheet and create a memo and then do a deck, a presentation deck, right? Well, guess what? It's basically creating the, the, the Microsoft Office suite where they all are designed to work together. Um, you're doesn't Just because you use Microsoft Office doesn't give you a competitive advantage. It just gives you the tools you need to go out and compete in the market, right? So we're trying to just give people the base platform 
and, 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 and access to the right things to then be able to use it, right, to then make your business better and serve more residents. Oh, I love that. So, Lucas, um, I, I'm going to continue to just geek out here for a little while with Tori. So you're going to have to just like butt in the conversation whenever you want, because this is like I'm getting into a little bit of operator mode here. But I'll tell you, you know, you're touching on something that's near and dear to my heart because, um, you know, not many people know that my day job is 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 managing communities. But over the last 15 years, I've gone through this painful thing and and I think sometimes um, being an early adopter of technology and how much technology and innovation has started pouring into our industry I've fallen victim you know this is confessional I have fallen victim to that scratch and sniff everything that looks cool and and you know that every salesperson tells you it will it will change the way your organization does this but without having someone strategically either a partner or a team member designated that really understood that line and how it all communicates together and how we turn that into actionable processes that improve the forward trajectory of the organization that was something that i lacked so that leads to frustration it leads to team frustration so again we could have a whole podcast about this because uh talking with a lot of operators that have been in similar even that are much larger than than we are that has been a a symptom and 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 kind of an issue that i i'm hopeful this um, kind of compression, this pressure that we've gone through when we come out on this backside, we're a little bit more strategic with that. So I appreciate that topic. Um, so I've got another another question, then I'm going to shut up for a little bit and let, let Lucas talk. But I don't want to chase too much of a rabbit, but I think when we start looking at organizations, our organizations, Tori, it's um, very uh, natural to start fixing the internal right and like what's the red line issues that we have the most control over i'm wondering what your opinion and this is purely whatever you want to your opinion to be on this but um how much as we look at a at a changing industry an evolving industry how much do we in our organizations uh, and as an industry have the ability to change versus how much are we going to have to get outside the walls of our community um even from a regulatory standpoint i think about to help to shape our industry um, because there's so many like fences put up around us by whether it's regulators or legislators or things like that i've kind of got this feeling that for for real evolution and real change we not only have to look at our organizations but we're going to have to figure out how we also educate people on what the industry should where those finches should be. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I do high level thought, which is um, one of the best ways to figure out where the direction we should head is going to be based once again on, on the data, right? It's going to be basically who are we serving? How are we serving them? What are we doing for them? What does that look like? Right. And to the extent that we have the right answers and can be in closer to real time aware of what's happening 
that's going to help guide those those conversations with regulators and legislators and so on. I mean, oftentimes what we see is there's a problem. We think back to the storm that happened in Florida a few years back where all of a sudden, you know, the people died because there was lack of air conditioning. And then the regulators show up and say, everyone needs to have generators like, you know, tomorrow. And it just made no sense in a lot of, 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 of instances, right? So it's a, I, I say that to say that it's usually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a reaction as opposed to reactive process as opposed to proactive. And so I think we need to be proactive by saying, what do we have? Where do we want to go? How do we serve our residents? And if our hearts are right, I mean, look, I'm, look, I, 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 by no stretch of the imagination, do I uh, downplay the economics of this? There are investors, there are, there are economic forces that we need to do this to be able to, I always say, we, you know, there's, when I was a, a young lawyer uh, and I interviewed in a law firm, I realized that there was the business of law and the practice of law, right? We all, the practice of law, we all want to do fun, interesting, cutting edge things, but you have to do it in a way where you make enough money to do that, right? And so in this business too, it is a business. We do need to be cognizant of the fact that we're going to take money from investors and they need to get a reasonable return. And we do have lenders and we need to pay them interest. And then guess what? There is an element that we can make a profit, right? So we need to, as we're addressing all of those things, um, I do think that we need to to um, to have the information necessary to be able to respond in a proactive way to legislators and so on and, and to regulators, right? And this is how we are going to. So sometimes that's going to be courageous. Sometimes people are like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and not say anything and hope they don't come asking me questions, right? Well, sometimes we need to go out and say, hey, look, if you're not asking these questions, here's what you should be asking about, right? Here's what we should be doing. And this, if we do this, this, and this, um, we're going to be serving residents and be staying out of trouble and, and you know, come regulate me. That's fine. Like, you know, I, we're going to do this in a way that, uh, that takes care of people in the right way. So I think that, yes, it, it is something that we need to be proactive about and to be courageous about. A lot of times people don't have the courage to, to go take steps that might be innovative. And if, look, and sometimes, you know, you, you, innovation, sometimes there's going to be, well, no, it's going to be failure, but nobody really wants to talk about that. But that then guides the success, right? It just, it's just a door or a window that closes and we need to find another entrance or exit, right? So that's, uh, it just, it, it guides the direction we go. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. So um, as we start, you know, gosh, there's so many things I want to talk about, but again, Lucas, you jump in here and you cut me off wherever we got it. Cause I know we've got a t- limited time frame, but you know, let's fast forward a little bit because I, I think when we start talking about trajectory of an industry and changing and evolving, you know, it's some, sometimes we get interchangeable terms and, and senior housing gets meshed in the middle of healthcare systems, long-term care, you know, and, and everybody asks, well, like, where is senior living? What is senior living? What is senior housing? Where does where do, are the lines blurred? And now we're starting to see emerging models um, that are kind of combined. So when you think of the future of senior housing, where we should go, where we are going, and think about combining service offerings, can you talk just a little bit about what that is? I can probably talk a lot, but I'll just try to limit it to a little. <laughs> Yeah, let's just talk. I mean, look, I'm I'm um, I, I'm uh, not the smartest guy around, but we all know that uh, there are more people that are aging than, uh, than in this current bubble, right? So we're just about to start the beginning part of the wave of the baby boomers, right? So 1946 to 1964, those boomers are not yet at the age 
where we need to start thinking that they're even, you know, they're starting now to consider going into what we would call seniors housing, right? So independent and, 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 and assisted and, and memory care, right? And if they have an issue, then into the long-term care, so skilled nursing and whatever else there might be there, right? So as the, as the numbers of people start to go up, we're, the, the, the reality is, and, and our health system, we all know, is expensive, right? It might not even be great, but it's expensive. And so how do we deal with this bigger number of people? Well, let's, I think the, the best way to think about it is we need to get people where they need to go at the best, uh, in, in the most appropriate setting, right? So not everyone needs to be in a hospital, right? So the people that need to be in hospital in the acute care setting that is very expensive with the best care, they should be there. Absolutely. But then, you know, when they're able to transition into something that today resembles a, a skilled nursing facility, and then from there, they can they can transition into something that resembles a senior's housing um, community with higher levels of care. Okay. My, my personal experience, my dad is 93. Uh, he went into the hospital for five days and they said, you need to go to a skilled nursing facility. He said, I'm not doing that. Um, he's back in his assisted living with highest level of care and um, with some assistance from hospice and so on. It's, it's, so he's, he's in a place where he can best be um, served for his current needs. And so how do we do that? How do we facilitate that, right? So how do we make sure that the people that need acute care are there and that they can transition into a skilled nursing or equivalent when needed or into a seniors housing type of an environment when needed and possible? I think a lot of that is making sure that the information, again, it comes back to data analytics and the flow of electronic information to be able to follow that person. Right now, typically what we see is the hospitals and hospitals and health systems have a certain way of handling electronic medical records, which is not compatible with skilled nursing and not compatible with seniors housing. Guess what? Um, we need to fix that. <laughs> we need to have some, and it's going to be, and the way that I view it, uh, Josh, is that it's not just going to be because someone says, I'm an innovative thinker, so I'm going to go spend money to go do it, right? They're going to say, I'm a competitive person that wants to keep my kids fed and, and allow them to go to college. How do I best do that? Well, guess what? Learn how to play with the hospital so you can be the off taker for their people as they go into skilled, as they go into seniors and can go back the other direction. You need to be in a platform where that information can flow easily and freely. Today, it doesn't. Today, it doesn't. And so that for me is not just a question of I'm innovative and want to do it because it's cool to be the IT person. It's you want to you want to preserve your competitive advantage, figure out how you invest in that. And, you know, it, this is basically we're working off of fax machines and faxes are going to go out of, you know, how do you how do you transition to PDF? Right. Because everything now functions on PDF. Forget about faxes and FedEx. Right. When I was a young lawyer, everything went out by FedEx and faxes. Today, it doesn't exist. I mean, FedEx does to a certain extent, but everything's done by 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 Internet. Right. But digital um, transmission of documentation, you close deals now. No one ever gets together. So how do we do that? How do we transition and say we need we know we need to get to a place where there can be a much more closer to seamless flow of information between acute care, between skilled, between uh, between seniors housing. That is the future. It has to be the future just from a pure economic perspective, societal economics. It has to be. We have to solve that problem. The people that um, recognize that are willing to be courageous around that and willing to put their dollars back you know, into it. And what, what I'm trying to do is to create a platform that can assist with that by saying, let's be a collective here, right? This doesn't make us all um, competitors, but there are certain aspects like a, a republic, right? Like an economic federation where we can all join for the benefit. It's like the NFL, right? 
They have rules. They, they compete against each other. They all want to win at the end of the day, but they, they come together to make, make that organization better and to run efficiently, right? We need to do the same thing in senior's house. Totally agree. And I think, um, Lucas, you and I have talked a lot about this. I think uh, we're kind of at the perfect intersection of not only is that what our industry needs, um, I think the emerging technologies are going to allow that to happen. But I also think this next generation, this boomer generations that you were describing and defining, they're going to demand it. And, you know, I think for the first time in my um, career of almost 17 years of senior housing, you know, senior housing is not even what it used to be 15 years ago. It's changed a couple of times. And I can think of, you know, what used to the services you could only safely get in a healthcare facility or a senior living, assisted living uh, community. Now, because of technology and innovation, people have the choice to get that at home. And I think rather than being resistant to that as senior living providers, if, if we will embrace that and become part of that system, it actually helps everyone. Because quite honestly, with the capture rate that we uh, of age income qualified people uh, do a pretty poor job of capturing all those people in the U.S. and in our small little industry, there is more than enough age income qualified people for us to to be able to have um, uh, many, many, many more beds filled than even are out there right now if we do a good job at that. So, Lucas, man, you've just been <laughs> like patiently waiting. What 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 are you wanting to get in on here? Well, this I don't know about the listeners, but this feels like watching a great movie where at the end you just have this feeling like there's going to be a part two. And so I am really looking forward to that because Tori, you're on fire with this. Um, you know, we're drinking from a fire hose on this in the best way possible. Um, and so I would love to have you back on Tori to go into more detail on this last section of our conversation. Um, I think that would be a great uh, part two. It would be my pleasure. And, and frankly, you know, I know that we're that many people are watching this and the folks out there that um, that take away from this part one of the movie and we, you know, stay tuned for, for, for episode two. Um, look, people can jump ahead. Uh, it, and and I'm, I am looking for people that want to be early adopters and innovators and say, you know what, I don't know what it is. But let's talk about it. And, and you have, you know, a platform and smart people around you to help do something and think through stuff, we'd be happy to do that. And we're looking for people to help do nothing short to change the industry, right? We can, we can take the pieces that we know today and help craft a place tomorrow. It's like a ship. You're in your port today. You're going to sail for another port. You may get blown off course by a storm. You may choose to go to a different port when you're halfway there, right? But you need to have a, a, a direction, right? And, and I say, let's, uh, this is a direction and happy to speak with people and, and, and to continue to share ideas and, 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 in episode two, if that's what you guys would love to do, I'd love to come back and talk to you more about specifics. But, um, but you know, I think they're finding that, and, and to go back to your point, Josh, how do we do it? I think it is, it's that that mix of having an innovative mindset and, and actually a lot of courage to go out and jump out and be one of the early people to say, I might be wrong, but I, I, I'm going to remain competitive. And if I'm wrong, I better do it, get it out of the way quickly so that I can be right and, and, and continue to, uh, to serve people and, and, uh, and create opportunity for myself and others. 
with challenges comes amazing opportunities. And we appreciate you, uh, you know, head on approaching that and addressing that to a great conversation, a lot of value out of this episode, Josh, I can't wait to see, um, all of the content that we are able to clip out of this to, to bring back to our audience. So let's continue the conversation on social media. The best place to do that is btgvoice.com. You can get the transcript of this episode. You can connect with Tori and his team. Also, we'll put this in the show notes to connect with Tori. Uh, I, I would say ping him on LinkedIn, and then we'll make sure that all of their information is there to reach out and continue this great conversation. Thanks for your time, Tori. And thanks for everyone for listening to another great episode of Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with host Josh Crisp and Lucas McCurdy. If you were informed, educated, or influenced by this episode, we want to know. Leave a comment on social media or contact us in the show notes. Powered by supporting partners, Propel Insurance, Inquire, LTC REIT, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Learn more at btgvoice.com.